Can we jump on into it? Open your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Today, I have one question that I want you to think about. One big question. The topic of the sermon, if you're taking notes, repeat it with me, please. Say, I changed my mind. Now, that rings a bell for some of you because you say, yes, I have changed my mind. You started off, you were committed to certain relationships, but now you have changed your mind. You thought you wanted to be in a certain career path, but now you have changed your mind. And I understand that. And I think we should be intentional about some changes. The word repentance really means to change your mind. It is not feeling guilty because you got caught or because a preacher preached a great sermon and made you feel bad. Repentance has to do with a change of thought. You were going north, now you want to go south. It's a different direction in life. And every now and then, people come to permanent changes of mind. They no longer see the world the same way. They no longer have the same feelings. It's shocking that a person would go, in, and a story I heard that was fantastic, a guy went and got a PhD in English. He was incredibly committed to teaching English at a very high scholastic level. After years of doing it, after becoming a tenured professor, he quit and became a mailman. The only PhD mailman he knew. One of his friends heard about it. You know, his wife called his best friend, said, you know, can you believe it, PhD? And now he's doing mail. And, and she couldn't figure out why he changed his mind. She couldn't figure this out. So his friend came and was talking to him and said, hey, you know, you know he's trying to, be, trying to be encouraging. So he said, well, if you're going to be a mailman, at least be the best mailman you can. He says, I'm a terrible mailman. He says, I'm the last guy out, last guy in. This is horrible. He says, I talk to people too long. But every year, the neighborhood gives me a party. <laughs> and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. He changed his mind about what was important. Sometimes in life, the only way you're going to get to the better place is to change your mind. And I want to show you at the end of this teaching that there are some things that will never, ever, ever come into your life until you get on the other side and think a new thought. It's on the other side of changing your mind. God can do amazing things if he can get you to change your mind. He will never force you. But if he can get you to view love differently, view life differently, if he can get you to view yourself differently, if he can get you to change your mind, that's what repentance is. Amazing things happen. That's what's wrong. You know, churches full of people who haven't changed their mind yet. They're still deciding do they want to serve God. You've been here for 10 years and you haven't decided yet. You know, 50 altar calls, a whole bunch of Bibles, you got a whole bunch of stuff in your house, and you still haven't changed your mind. You know how I know that? Anyway, moving on. But, you know, you, you have not changed your mind. You haven't changed your mind. You still think you're going to find fulfillment in the wrong places. And so that's the issue. And so here's the question. Here's the big question I want to ask you. What will happen if you never change your mind? That's the single question I want you to leave with today. What will happen to me if I never change my mind? 
If God is not effective at getting me to change my mind, what's going to happen? What's in my future if I don't change my mind? And, and if I could just roll it over a little bit, what will happen to your children? What will happen to your grandchildren? If you don't change your mind, if you stay on the same path, if you relate to people the same way, if you relate to your kids the same way, if you spend your money the same way, if you, if you live the same way. Now, I'm on this teaching series called Intentional Living, and it's an incredibly powerful thing. I, I, I love it. It's, it's a series. And so what I'm going to do is, if you can write this down too. This is a kind of a, a sidestep for a minute. I'm going to come back to where I'm going, okay? But I, I thought you would like this. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you these key words that are in my mind these days. And, and these words have changed my mind about a lot of things. And, 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 and in this series, it's called Intentional Living, Living Life on Purpose. Say it with me, please. Say intentional Living. Living Life on purpose. And what I've done is each month I've focused on teaching a word, just one word. The first month I taught on change. And here's my argument. If you, if you don't change, if you don't do well with change, you will never, ever, ever advance in life. It's a life skill you need, the ability to change and to adapt. The second thing you need is to learn how to manage your money. So the second word was money. Everybody say money. money. It's, it's, it's not being afraid of it. It's learning how to embrace it and learning how to manage it, learning how to live with it. I, I taught on three things, income, expenses, and assets. You have to really not be afraid of, of, of working toward higher income, not be afraid of managing expenses, and not be afraid of growing assets. Christians, churches sometimes teach you to be afraid of those things. So change, money, and here's the third one. You ready? Say relationships. relationships. There's something about understanding the power of relating to people, but here's the truth. You only control 50% of any relationship. That's all I control. It's a great study of David and Saul. When you look at David, David was hated for almost 10 to 4, 12 years, some say, by Saul from his mid-20s all the way to his 30s. He was chased by Saul. Imagine that. All these years of your life, in all of your 20s, you're being chased by this guy who's trying to kill you. All because of his view of your relationship. A song that the women sang, Saul has killed his thousands, David is ten thousands. David didn't even write the song. Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes you didn't create it, but people just don't like you. And so there's this incredible moment. And it's not because you're black or because you're Asian. Some people wouldn't like you if you were blue. It just, they've decided on their side of the relationship to not like you. The next word that I think is fascinating is a word that I think is, is hard for, for our culture to embrace. It's the word sacrifice. It's, it's understanding that it's, it's, it's not just change, it's not just money, it's not just relationships. It's learning the power of sacrifice. And, and, and in this month, this is a good word. Because you think about the sacrifices made for you, the sacrifices made to save you. Christ died to save you. But it, the real question for you is what are you willing to give up? What are the areas of your life that you're intentionally willing to give up and say, I will surrender this I will, I will offer this up to God. But those words are powerful. But the one word that surprises me the most is a word I, I've really not taught a lot about. Submission. It's not just about change. It's not just about change. It's not just about money. It's not just about relationships. 
It's not just about sacrifice, but it's about submission. We've lost the ability to submit. Now, men, men, you know, we like, we like Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. You know, that's, a, that's our favorite verse, right? right? But verse 21 says, submit you to one another. Submission is not just something God calls women to do. And by the way, guys, you, if you haven't learned, you can't force it. They have to decide to do it. They have to change their mind. That's the, that's the. But let me tell you what I think what scares me the most. We are raising young people who do not have the capacity to submit. They do not have the ability. They do not have the skill. They do not have the talent. And let me tell you, I believe submission is the power behind the throne. It's what gives you the ability to do amazing things in amazing ways. And it's not until you learn to submit that you'll have certain powers in your life. People will never be able to trust you. They'll never be able to empower you if you are not a person who understands the power of submission. There's certain positions you'll never get because you can't be trusted to submit at higher levels. Look, you already are at this level and you're talking about the boss in the break room. I mean, you haven't even been promoted yet. Nobody in this company has sense but you. You're the smartest person in the room. If these dumb people will listen to you, they make more money, right? So I want you to understand, if you're making minimum wage and you have that attitude, why should we promote you? There's something about understanding the power of having a humble and submitted spirit. But then there's this other word. This has been absolutely all over me. And, and this one may surprise you. Everybody say transparency. I believe that it's very difficult for Christians to be transparent. I think it's hard to be open and honest and to say, this is really where I am. The Bible said be girded about with truth. And it's very hard for people to do that. And so those are some of the words that God's been putting on my heart. And what he's trying to do, I believe, is change my mind about those words. He wants me to understand that in order for me to get to the places he wants me to be, I have to be willing to deal with all of those things. And, and sometimes for people... Who, who are sincere and, and they love God, the, the biggest challenge God has is, listen, you've got in your mind what transparency means, and God's got another definition. You just got, you've got one view of how life should be, and God has another one. The question is, can, can he win you over? Are you going to allow his word, are you going to allow teachings of the word and prayer, those things to move you to another place? I think a lot of people are sincere. But my, my question is, how far will it take you? Well, let me show you some guys in 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, these are guys that are amazing. These are guys who are examples of, of change. And I want you to note with me, there's a process that these guys go through. These are four lepers. And these four guys have already had a great change in their life. It doesn't describe when they became lepers. It doesn't say how they became lepers. But in this story, you're going to see in 2 Kings chapter 7, you're going to see four guys who, are, who found community. They share a common problem. Whenever they're around people, they have to yell, leper, leper, so no one would come near them. They would be often killed if they violated that rule. And so it was very, very important to find community. So these four guys are banded together. And in this, in this process, a lot of things changed in their lives. They're thinking the way they interacted with people. But they came to a moment of crisis. And this moment of crisis challenged them with facts 
that they could not ignore. Oftentimes, what changes your mind is a new set of circumstances. Something changes, something happens, and it makes you rethink your position. Look with me, verse 4, chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 7, watch what it says. They said, if we stay here, I'm sorry, verse 1, why stay here until we die? Now, there were four men, verse 3, with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to each other, here's the big question, why stay here until we do what? Die. Notice the question, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. So they got up and they went. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Four lepers are standing in the middle of a famine. Four lepers are dying. Four lepers look at the circumstances of their lives and they say, this is not the way to live. Four guys decide they're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, and then they have this incredible conversation. Sometimes your whole life changes with one conversation. Just one moment in time can change everything. And so there's this great Syrian fight, great, you know, the Armenians, there's this great fight between Israel and the Syrians, and they're all kind of, they call Armenians in the text, and they're all kind of sitting here, and everybody's kind of poised. And, and the, the problem is, you know, the, the city of Israel is being starved. And so everybody around them is, is standing there, and, and this army has got them besieged. They're all surrounded. They can't get any food. They can't get out. And these, these lepers decide, you know, this is a bad situation. So if I stay home and don't go look for a job, I'm going to starve. And if I go and look for a job and can't find one, I'm going to starve. So why stay home and not look for a job? Can you see that? There's this moment where these guys come to reality and say, if we stay here, all four of us were lepers, and you know, if we're going to die. And if we go out there and they, and they see us and we get too close to them, they're going to kill us, so we die anyway. So what was the big question? Say it with me, please. Say, why stay here and die? Let me, let me translate this for a minute. If you don't go sign up for school, you're not going to graduate. If you go sign up and flunk out, you still won't graduate. So why not go sign up? Are you, are you tracking with me? So you know, it, it, there's this moment, you know, if I, if I don't dress up and take better care of myself, I won't get a man. You with me? And if I dress up, I still may not get a man, but why not dress up and see if we can get a man? If I don't go to church and serve God, I might end up in hell. 
So if I go to church and try and still don't do good, I'll end up here. Why not go to church and try? Why sit here and die? Are you with me? Come on, people. Are you, are you tracking with me? Why sit here? That there's a real moment when you come to yourself and you say to yourself, you know, this is a really powerful moment when these guys are challenged with new facts that they can see more clearly than ever. And so they did something that we need to do. They questioned themselves. Why don't you question yourself? Why don't you just take a step back and say, maybe there's a new way of looking at this. And here's a big thought. Why don't we be transparent and be completely honest? This is an honest moment. You know, I mean, I, I think if, you know, I, I don't want to die prematurely or something. I mean, I want to live a long time. But there are moments in your life when you just have a bad challenge. And I like the fact that these guys are sitting there saying, if we really and truly are committed to getting beyond this, we've got to pause and have a real moment. I mean, I don't know that, that if, if you don't think through the path you're on, if you don't pause for a moment and say, what's going to happen if I don't change? What's really going to happen? You know, in 2008, a lot of people got in trouble and a lot of us, you know, got surprised by all the stuff that happened. But if we were really honest, some of us saw signs. But, but we weren't willing to look back and say, you know, this is not a good road. But th these, four, these four guys who are not spiritual giants, these are not elders, these are not bishops, these are not deacons, these are, not, these are just normal guys who are honest. It's amazing what God can show open people. It's amazing. You know, sometimes church people are so hard to reach because they're not open. These are four guys with leprosy on the outside of the city. They, can't, they only have each other. But they're honest. In, in just a few moments, can we just back up off of all of the assumptions and say to God, where am I really at in my life? And what will happen if I don't hear this moment? When, you know, I really, I really believe that salvation is an important step for people, you know, to come to the altar and pray the prayer and say, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. That's a great moment. But that is, that is the beginning of a new way of approaching life. It's a, it's a way of approaching life where you say to yourself, from this moment forward, when it comes to God, I'm going to always open my heart and I'm going to always focus on what's really important in my life that needs to change. And as you serve God, one thing after another, you'll come to moments like these guys came to. You'll come to moments and the Holy Spirit will say, I know you like this, but that's got to change. And I know you're used to this and your whole family does this and this is how your family talks, but you can't talk that way anymore. And this is the way you spent your money all of your life, but you can't spend your money this way anymore. And this is the way you've worked. And these are the kind of jobs you've had, but you can't have those kind of jobs anymore. Your life has to change. And in those moments, those are the moments, listen to me, when the whole generation in front of you is saying thank you. Because think about it for a second. If people in your family, if you can go back, and if you could talk to your great-great-grandparents or your father, if you can look at him and say, Dad, if I can just get you to consider changing one thing, 
it would change all of our lives. If I can just get you to consider one change, just one, not a whole lot, just one change. Just don't drink. If I can just get you to just not drink, that one thing, just give it up for us, just off sacrifice for us, make that change. It's amazing. If I can just get you to consider one change, I want you to think hard with me tonight. What is the one area of your life? Is it womanizing? If I could just get you to give up on chasing after, you haven't found it yet. You've, how many women have you had? Come on, how many guys have you dated? Come on, number 10, is it number 11, 12? What's the number? Consider for a moment that you need to pause and ask yourself, what's going to happen if I don't change? Now, what's really amazing is these guys made a change. And the result is astonishing. I sometimes am speechless at the end result of people who make profound changes. It's, it's interesting that they went and they talked and they worked and God had gone ahead of them. When they got to the place they thought the enemy was going to be, he was already gone. Now I want you to think about this. They were deciding something God had already worked out. Think about this for a second. They were, I mean, they may have taken a few days to decide, but he had already worked it out. So what I love to call this is the preparations made for a changed mind. Say that with me, please. Come on. The preparations made for a changed mind. God already has a host of things for you if you change your mind. But it's all about you changing your mind. So please notice, if they stayed where they were, they would never have had it. They would have never received the blessing. But because they said, we can't sit here and die, let's go to the camp of the Armenians, let's go. And when they got there, the people they thought were going to hurt them were no longer there. The banker they thought was going to foreclose was no longer there. The problem they thought was going to be there was no longer there. See, I believe that God has already gone before me. His angels have already gone to the meeting. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? I believe God has already gone there. He's just waiting on you. Your tuition is already paid. You just haven't signed up yet. You just haven't gone and applied for the job. It's already your job. They, they got your picture in their mind. They dreamed about you last night, but you're still home looking sad. And God says, would you please get up and go? Why sit here and die? I'm about to preach my microphone off. Come on, say amen. You're done. Why, why sit here? I mean, God's already got your man. I'm telling you, you on aisle seven, God's got your man on aisle six. God's got your wife. God's got your opportunity. The key thing is you have to understand it's on the other side of a changed mind. You've changed your mind about how you're going to fuss and complain. You changed your mind. And somebody is waiting, an opportunity is waiting for you. Well, watch what happened. He prepared and scared off all the enemies. The Bible said in verse 6, for the Lord caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots. See, he'll make your enemies hear things. Look, look, somebody mess with you, the Lord will make them think you a ninja. He, I mean, they can't mess with you. They'll, they'll just start getting scared all of a sudden. They just, ah. <laughs> and horses and a great army, that's what they heard. So that they said to one another, here's what they said to one another, look, 
the king of Israel, and all has, has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians, kings, to, to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dust and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp. Now, now all that happened because they got up. Now, when they got there, verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank, and they ran into abundance. Re repeat this with me, please. Say, say abundant, abundant. Overflow. overflow. Say it one more time. Come on, say abundant, abundant. Overflow. overflow. Now think about this now. It's on the other side of a changed mind, though. It's only, on the, it's only when you cross the bridge. You, you would be amazed. Now, I like these guys, and there are three things that just absolutely stand out to me about them. Three things that I think will determine for you what God has for you down the road. The first thing is, you have to be an independent thinker. You, you, just, you just have to decide, no other leper has done this. Other lepers we heard about tried it and got killed, but, but we, we can't let that stop us. How many things are you afraid to change in your thinking because this is the way your family's thought for years? How many times have you allowed yourself to be, be stunted because you're so afraid that if you think, if you think any differently than anybody else, you're not going to be the same? I, I, it's so amazing. I, I, I really like the fact, I love, I love church. But I, I'm so amazed at how we can't change. We just can't change. We can't change. And, and God's looking at you saying, you know, I, I, look, I know, I know, I know how you feel. I know, this is, I know this is totally scary. I know that to forgive somebody and let it go is really a hard thing for you. I know it's hard for you to imagine that if you, if you just stop chasing everybody or chasing after every individual and trying to build relationships and trying to make things happen and always, you know, harassing people and make them give you money and if you could just back up for a second and say let's just try another way let's just for a moment try to these guys independently said we're not gonna think like everybody around us we're gonna be unique we're gonna be different how willing are you to think differently say independent thinker independent. second thing that impresses me is they were not selfish it's so easy for all of your existence to be about you. For all that you do and all, that you, all the money you make and all the hours you work, it's all about you. You know, what, you know one of the things I believe that tithing does? It is a statement to God that I do not live for just me. It is. It's a, it's a, I challenge people in our church to a 90-day tithing challenge. Just for 90 days, say, God, you know, if I make $400, I'm going to give you $40. i am just going to honor you first. It's not about me. These lepers go into these tents, and they see all this stuff, and they start eating and putting on clothes and trying on stuff. <laughs> Man, we are rolling in abundance and overflow. And, you know, it's really amazing. <clears throat> it, 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 somewhere in this process, if you read on through the chapter, they, 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 this is, they say this isn't right. Because we know the people of Israel are stuck in this, you know, in this, in this city and they, they're under this siege and they don't know the Armenians have left. And so we could just sit here and eat this stuff. You know, there are moments when it, you can say, it's all, you know, I can just take advantage of what I have. But there's a, a, a real powerful lesson that four guys 
who could have been angry with everybody who chased them out of town because they had leprosy. Four guys who didn't look like they were all that spiritual and dynamic because why would God allow them to have leprosy if they were spiritual? But these four guys had character. Now, here's a lesson. You can't always tell by a person's problem where they are. You can't always look at a person, and some of you that have issues in your life, that doesn't mean that you've lost all of who you are. So these, these guys, they look at this, and they say, you know, it's not right. We're, we're not going to be selfish. We're not going to just live for ourselves. We're going to go, and we're going to share this. Now, not one of them said no. Nobody resisted. Do you have four people in your life that you're friends with that would band together with you to go help somebody else? Do you have four people in your life that would take wealth that they can enjoy for themselves and not go someplace and say, no, well, well, well look, tell you what, hold on, hold on. Let's take a couple of days to pray on that. Let's just get a couple of wagons first. We're going to load up a few wagons here. We're going to take a couple of wagons full of gold. And then, no, don't call them yet. They, they, they fine. They fine. This is going to be all right. This is, gonna, this is my... <laughs> we're going to tell them now. It's going to be the day, but we're going to tell them. <laughs> they were independent thinkers, and they were not selfish. They were willing to say that other people may not do this, but we're going to do it. And we're not going to be people who just live for ourselves. See, I believe on the other side of that kind of thinking, there's opportunity. I don't believe until you get to the place that you live beyond yourself, there's certain things God will never give you. Because here's why. If he gives it to you, it's all about you. And that's why he can't give it to you. If he gave you a million, what would you do? Well, honestly, I buy me a Mercedes, and then I buy me a house, and then I buy me, and then I give my cousin some money because he's been good to me. Yeah, see, no, listen, listen to yourself, listen to yourself. Here's a question Could God call you to the mission field? Could God call you to sell your house? Could God call you to leave your job? Could God call you to take a $40,000 a year job? And somebody said, what do you say, 40? What? What did you say? <laughs> say, I lost you already. 4-0, I lost you. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to call you, but I'm just trying, making the point. I want you to understand there are people who do that stuff. And they go to some part of India, some part of the world, and they help somebody that you would never even reach to help. Those are people who don't live for themselves. Those are independent thinkers. But what would happen to the world if nobody ever did that? What would have happened if nobody ever thinks those thoughts? There's something about being the kind of person who understands we need guys like these lepers. We need guys who get beyond themselves and who think beyond your next opportunity. As a matter of fact, I think those are the best companies. I think those are the best preachers. When it's not just about me and it's not just about having some great moment up here in the sun, but it's about saying a word that really helps you in your life. Amen. So are you? Are you willing to change your mind? Third thing about these guys, and I'm done for the night. Three things I told you that impressed me. They challenged, their challenges did not impact their character. 
Their challenges did not impact their character. You don't get any sense of bitterness when you read these stories about these four guys. You don't hear anybody say, well, those people between me and us in the city, those guys would have killed us on the spot if they saw us. They would have let us die. Some of you have a long list of issues with everybody. You can start, if I sit you down, let me tell you what my daddy did. That rotten guy, he left me, number one. And my mom, she was cheap. And my brother and my cousin, I mean, it's, it's everybody's an issue. These are four guys who had a reason to be mad. These are four guys who had a reason to look down on everybody around them. But these were four guys who didn't fall into that. These are four guys who rose above. And here you are with the Bible and prayer and the Holy Ghost and Jesus and the Bible and hallelujah and all of that and no leprosy. Check your neighbor. <laughs> Tell me for a moment, how can they be this way and you not be this way? Here is the key, a change of mind. What will happen if you don't change your mind? What will you miss if you don't change your mind? Who will you not be able to help if you don't change your mind? What in the world will God not be able to do in your life if you don't change your mind? I want to change my mind. Not just one time. Not just once. I want to change my mind again and again and again. I want to open my heart and I want God to say, you know, Temple, you know what? It's time for you to change again, sir. You've been thinking this way about your marriage for a long time and now it's time to renegotiate the contract. It's time to sit down and say we've related this way for 20 years or 10 years or 5 years. It's time to change. When it comes to your kids as they go older, you have to change your mind. You have to say, you know, the way that we related before is not good. Some of you have really sarcastic relationships with people and every time you see them you're cracking a joke and you need to say, you know, maybe you need to change that. Maybe it's time to change your approach. Maybe this is no longer funny to talk about when you were a kid and to make fun of how you look or to talk about. Maybe I need to change the way I engage people. Maybe, maybe I need to change. You might shock people. You know, some people, every time you see them, they feel assigned by God to tell you how you look. <laughs> I don't know where they got that assignment. I, I never read it in the Bible, but they know, oh, you're looking so different. <laughs> you want to say it, you do too, right? You look really different. Have you gained weight? <laughs> Have you ever wondered why people say that? What, what makes them say, have you gained weight? <laughs> you look like you've gained weight in your left hip right there, just like you just <laughs> sagging a little bit. You know, you, just want, <laughs> you know, you just want, what made you say that? <laughs> you, can, you can just for a moment say, maybe it's the way I live and communicate. You know, the tension between our families. Maybe, maybe we got four raggedy houses, right? Four broke family members, right? Driving four raggedy cars. Sometimes three, because one always breaks down. Right? Here's the plan. Why don't all four of us get together and get one nice house and get a car that works and share, and share a ride a little bit? Save some money, build some assets. Isn't that a scary thought? That's a scary thought, I know, because you want your own thing. I understand. But maybe you should change your mind. 
Because if you stay, you're still going to have four raggedy houses, and the houses are going to get raggedier, <laughs> and the cars are going to get brokener. You, you understand? <laughs> this is a plan that isn't going to go anywhere. But see, the problem is you, you can't get your family to change their mind. God is saying, you know, on the other side of a changed mind, I'm telling you, it's amazing what can happen to you. And you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, all you got to do is go to the, the convenience store. And the people who work, who own the store, that's what they did. Yeah. Haven't you known that? Hi there, I'll just see you at our store. <laughs> yes, this is my cousin. He's from, he just came over. <laughs> Where does he live? He lives with me, of course. <laughs> I brought him over to live with me. He lives in my house. And he's going to train him and train him, and then he's going to take his own store. And he's going to give me a part of the profits. And then we're going to send over and get our other cousin to come. And they're going to live with me again. And then he's going to start a store, and then we're going to get you to buy everything in our store and make us rich. But you're still living in four raggedy houses with four cars. I'm sorry, three, because they don't work all the time. But you won't change your mind. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? You won't change your mind. You're doing it one way. You locked out the grandparents. Haven't you noticed when you go to these parks, you go to Six Flags, you go to places, you always see <laughs> they got their grandparents with them. We don't want our grandparents with us. We want to know everything. Everybody got everything. I know everything. It's my generation. So you broke. Because <laughs> your grandma from a don't buy that cowboy. You know you can't afford it. You know? <laughs> You know you can't. See, you need some old people in your life to tell you. But we don't want old people in our life. And that's why we keep making the same mistakes. You know, the heartbreak of a lot of, the heartbreak of, a lot of parents, I'm really done. The heartbreak of a lot of grandparents and older people is they're looking at you saying, we did all that 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We made all those mistakes. You, you know, look, look at, let me, don't marry anybody. Listen, I'm telling you, if you got good godly parents and you bring them home, don't marry anybody they don't like. Change your mind. Look, look here. If he come to the house, if you bring him home, and they can save you a whole divorce process. I'm telling you right now. They can save you a lot of money. When you bring him home, just bring him home. Let him sit there a whole day. Just stay the whole day. Let him sit there the whole day. Don't let him leave. Say, no, we're going to the house all day. We're going to be all day. He don't know he's being examined. This is an, inspe this is an inspection. Bring him over all day. Say, this is going to hang out all day. Let me tell you, it won't take grandmama five minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they're going to know what's happening. They can tell. But you know what you do? This is my man. I have my own way. <laughs> and when he chases you, the first house you go to, grandmama house, he chases me, grandma. You say, really, baby? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Come here, boy. Let me show you something. Where you at? Come here. Who you chasing today? <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Put that back. But grandmama knew that when she saw him. She said, that boy ain't going to work. That boy crazy. That boy ain't got no job. <laughs> and you're not honest. You're not being honest because you know. He, look, he, he got a car and no job. How did he pay for it? There's a lot of things you're not being honest about. But if you would change your mind, if you would say, you know what, I can, do, I can be in love with myself. I can love me first. I don't have to love somebody else first. Come on, amen. I can love me first. Lift your hand with me. Let's pray. Father, today we come.
acknowledging we need to change our mind. It's the day, it's the time, it's the season. The blessing will only come on the other side of a changed mind. You'll show us things, guide us to places, you'll do things for us that will only happen if we change our minds. You have a whole lot you're trying to give to us, but you will never force us. The greatest gift you've given us is a will, the right to choose. We are, we are living beings serving a living God. I pray that this is the day that we open our hearts. We used to call it repentance, but it, we missed the meaning of it. It means we came to a truth. We came to a set of circumstances and facts. We saw our life and said, this is the wrong road. And so we said, I changed my mind. I want to serve you now, Lord. I changed my mind. I want to lay all this before you. And Father, I pray that this would be the day. Can you make this declaration? Say, Father, I come with an open heart, willing to change my mind. Come on, say, willing to change my mind. Can I interrupt the prayer? I want you to look at me for a second. Here's what's going to happen. To change your mind, you must get mad sometimes. To change your mind, you must be transparent. You must be interrupted sometimes. And you cannot take it personally. You must surround yourself with people like Naaman, the leper. Remember Naaman, the leper? He came to Elijah's house, and, and Elijah was told, if he told him, if you dip in the river seven times, he says, you'll be made clean. Leprosy will leave your body. And he became angry. But he brought the right team with him. He brought people who challenged him and says, come on, Naaman, change your mind. If he told you to go climb a mountain, you would have done it. If he told you to go kill a lion, you would have done it. Change your mind. Stop viewing this as abuse. Stop viewing this as, as wrong, as someone trying to control you. Change your mind. And Naaman did the most amazing thing. The leader of the army, of the Syrian army, the guy said, you're right. You're right, guys. God wants to do something in your life, but he's not going to help you. He can't help you unless you do this last part. Father, we lift our souls to you. And we leave out of this room a lot less stress, a lot more at peace, with a whole lot more confidence. We change our minds in Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord a big hand, clap, and a big praise? Can you do it? Can you shout amen? Come on, can you shout amen? Come on, give God some praise. Come on, won't you stand up on your feet for a moment? We're going to take just a minute and just say, we've changed our mind. We're going to praise God. We're going to celebrate God's goodness. Come on, church. Give God some praise. We change. Hallelujah. We yield to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.